What is up, Kansas City? I'm Corey. I'm Roxy. And we are still Drink KC. Took a little hiatus. We were moving, moving closer to where the action is. But we are back and better than ever, maybe. We're back in business. We're back and probably the same. But here we are, talking about Stonehouse Farms Winery. So... I think it's funny that we moved closer to the action and then realized um, all but the two wineries that we've been to already aren't really anywhere near downtown Kansas City. Yeah, it'll make more sense for all of our other stuff, but our wine episodes, we probably actually got further away. Yeah, but it's okay. Wine is worth it. At least I think so. Wine's worth the drive? Mm-hmm. Well, luckily it won't be too bad of a drive unless you're way out on the Kansas side for this one. Yes. So today we are talking about Stonehouse Farms Winery, which is on the wine trail, along with one we've already talked about. Yes, so uh, the KC Wine Trail is nine wineries, ranges from Kansas City out to Waverly, Missouri, which is about 70 miles east of Kansas City. It's kind of east out along 24 and then loops back on 40 and kind of jogs down to Lee Summit to hit Stonehouse Farms Winery. Which is where we're talking about today. Yep. So with this weekend's weather being so nice, we decided to take a little jog out there and get some wine and enjoy the day. And it was a lovely day to enjoy their locations. They have um, 15 acres and just a lot of outdoor seating. They have a little pond. It's really serene and it's nice. And before we go into anything about the actual place... The funny thing that happened before we even got there was when we were driving up, we were like, all right, it says it's one of the next few turns. On Google Maps. On Google Maps. And as you're driving up to it, it's just kind of a rural-esque neighborhood. And there's all these vines and stuff, so it's tough to tell what building's what. And we almost turned into someone's driveway, and they literally had a stop sign in their driveway (laughs) that said, this is not the winery. (laughs) How many times have you had people knocking on your door asking for wine before you put a sign on your driveway that says, no, 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 no. Keep driving, buddy. Yeah, I have to imagine that was a a common occurrence. But anyway, let's actually talk about Stonehouse now. Yeah. So Stonehouse is named after this stone wall that's within the building. It's like this really beautiful stone wall. So that's, they named it Stonehouse. And it was founded in 1996 by Ken and Carol Urit. And uh, Ken ran it until 2006 when his son Brett took over and it is still run by their family. It's a family owned and run winery and vineyard. Yep, it's a total family operation. And I think it's a little older than anything else we've covered so far. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that, you know, we're, we're just getting a little more into the winery scene, but it was cool that they'd been around so long. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get right into it. Because the best thing about this winery is, who guessed it, their wine. So we got to try a couple while we were there. Uh, It was really awesome because um, if you decide to go hang out on their patio, you can buy a bottle of wine and they'll open it for you and uh, chill it. And you can just take it out and drink the bottle of wine, which was really fun because it was in like a sand bucket, like a kid's sand bucket that had the little like shovel attached. So we went in, we have kind of a little bit different taste in wine. So we wanted to get a little bit of the gambit. 
So we get, um, we tried a dry red, a dry white, a semi-sweet white, and a fruit wine. They're not doing any, like, official tasting. It's just kind of what off the menu sounds good to you. Try a couple of things, see what you like. Yeah. And we ended up buying a bottle of each of the dries and a glass of the sweet one. So we they big, hit it right on the head. We were big fans. Big fans. So the one we got a glass of is the apple cranberry. And it is one of the first ones they made. I, was it the first one? I think she said it had been around as long as the winery. So kind of implies that it is at least one of the first ones. And it's it's super fruity. It's got a little bit of tartness from the cranberry. And it's not cloyingly sweet. It's got a little bit of a refreshing bite to it from the apples. And uh, they said it also works really good as a mold wine, like a spiced wine. Which I really want to try when the weather gets cold in. We're going to go back and get a bottle of that. Yeah. And honestly, I think it would work really good in cooking as well. Mm-hmm. I make a cranberry sauce at Thanksgiving every year. And I'm totally going to go and get that and try that in it. And I, the thing I loved about it is... I love fruit wines. I love, you know, it's fruit wines are one of those things that are great to usually have just a glass of because they're really refreshing, but they're usually really sweet. Uh, or in the case of cranberry wines, I've had a cranberry wine that was super tart, like ocean spray tart. And it was really good, but it's like, okay, I can have a glass of this. I could have drank a bottle of that apple cranberry. I just ran out of money from buying the other two bottles already. <laughs> Yeah, it was super good and super refreshing and the perfect pairing for that day, which was kind of warm. But honestly, I could see it on a cold day, too. It was it was great. They suggest to pair it with creme brulee and vanilla ice cream. The next one we tried was a semi-sweet white called Vignoles. So the Vignoles is really interesting. The grape used to make Vignoles is a French-American hybrid that is a cross between, and I'm totally going to butcher the pronunciation for this, but it's Siebel 8665 and Pinot de Corton. It's the most famous grape hybrid from the 19th century French hybridizer, J.F. Rabbit, which I think is amazing that that's an entire job, like an entire profession is just hybridizing grapes. Well, after what we kind of talked about last time with Lifted Spirits, it makes sense. You'd want someone in charge of making sure your grapes are pretty hardy, which is something we'll get into a little bit more later. Exactly. So the grape is actually called Rabbit 51, but the wine is called Vignoles. And uh, apparently it's planted in Missouri, Pennsylvania, and the Finger Lakes region of New York normally. So it's good semi-sweet, medium body. It's sweet, but it doesn't taste artificially sweet. Yes. And it's it's a refreshing sweet, which was kind of a theme of the day, which was really nice for that day because it was pretty warm. So we get this semi-sweet white that's not going to destroy your mouth with sweetness. And it was more of a fruit, had some lemon and papaya, a little tart. That was and the one that we got in the sand bucket. Yeah, that was our sand bucket, and it was very good. And we drank that on location. And very fast. <laughs> I was trying to drink it slow. I was trying to just enjoy the day, but it was hard because it tasted so good. So conveniently, it is listed as a patio wine and pairs well with Asian poultry or seafood. And now, dun da 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 
on to the last wine we're going to talk about is their Cynthiana. That was the dry red that we tried. And it is what we currently have live to taste during this, even though we've tasted it before. But it's okay. We won't tell if you won't. It is so good. Uh, It was actually the first one we tried. And immediately I was like, we're getting a bottle of this. It was like the first tasting. I was like, yep, that's happening. Yeah, it's I'm not a huge wine person in general, and I'm even less a dry red person. And I was like, this is really good. I could drink this all day. Yeah, you know, it's good. You know, it's a good dry red when Corey's all about it. Exactly. So this is their premier dry red. It is barrel aged in French oak casks. Uh, which give it its classic inky purple color and rich body. I almost overfilled my glass from like how pretty this wine is to pour. (laughs) It's the prettiest color. It's like this purpley red. Like I want to dress in this color. And they say that it pairs well with red meats, pork, and lamb. We keep drinking it before we can actually get anything to pair with these things. So we keep talking like amongst ourselves about doing like a pairing episode. And then we go, oh, we drank it all before we made dinner. Whoops. So I am fascinated by the history of this grape behind this wine. Cynthiana, also known as Norton, is the official state grape of Missouri. It's native to the Midwest. It was growing here way before the age of discovery, which is when Europeans came and discovered the new world. So like the 15th to the 18th century is when the age of discovery happened. So it was growing here. So because it's native to the Midwest, it's a very hardy, disease resistant grape because obviously the Midwest, as we've talked about in previous episodes, this is a really tough region for grape growing because we have, you know, these frosts and crazy freaking weather. Is anybody that's ever been in the Midwest? I was going to say the spring, but it's really any season. We could have a blizzard and then a heat wave in like three days and Mm. it wouldn't be weird. So I alluded earlier to a little uh, callback. So if you listen to our last episode, we talked about how the uh, phylloxera in France really decimated their wine production. And that's kind of where absinthe came from and rose into being. And the French uh, wine industry kind of took a hit, took a well, it took a hit and then it hit back by making absinthe sort of faux pas or whatever you want to say however you want to say it tune into our last episode for the full story on that well what we discovered what brought french wine back after the phylloxera epidemic and the wine industry was like trying to come back the norton or cynthiana grape because it was so disease resistant they were transported to france and they were grafted to the french vines to help make them more resistant and to bring back the industry, especially in the Burgundy and Bordeaux areas of France, which, you know, anybody that probably doesn't even know wine has heard of Bordeaux and Burgundy as being like the wine places in France. So today, many French wines are still made from vines that were uh, grafted from Cynthiana's tough roots. And apparently it was such a huge thing for France that they actually put up several public statues to commemorate how Missouri Midwest American wine saved France. I just think it's so cool (laughs) because, I mean, you, 
you think of France as being like the mecca of wine and the state grape of Missouri is like a big reason that it was able to bounce back and even exist. Yeah. That's really cool. It is really cool. So did we? Actually, I realize we haven't talked. Yeah, we didn't talk about, about the taste. <laughs> the taste of this wine. So let's go into that a little bit. Yeah. What's this wine actually taste like now that we've talked about it for 10 Besides minutes? Besides fantastic. So uh, smelling it, uh, I kind of get like a grape skin smell to it. It's got kind of an earthiness, but not like overly tanniny. Like you don't get like that leather. Uh, I think the French oak, which I don't know if this is what this is, but this is what I'm guessing this is. I might be able to tell you. All the other wines that we have are pretty usually made with Missouri oak, which kind of give them a vanilla-y. This has more of a smoky sort of scent to it. Yeah, that's definitely the French oak. So I think that's really interesting. That's kind of, I always notice it the most in Chardonnays. You can tell when they've been aged in um, French oak. Maybe it's just because I like Chardonnays, so I notice it the most because that's what I'm drinking the most. That is a large glass of wine. (laughs) it like it was a beer and then i was about three quarters of the way done and i realized what i was doing so yeah tasting it it's got just a little bit of tannin but it's soft it's Mm. not aggressive and i've been in such a weird like dry red mood lately that just kind of comes and goes for me sometimes and it just hit me in the last week and this was like heaven it's got a little bit of smokiness a little bit of tanniness a good, like, dark stone fruitiness. Mm. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that. It says hints, ooh, hints of cherry and pecan. I don't really get a nuttiness out of it. I get an earthiness. But that's the amazing thing about trying anything is there's whatever you taste. It's not wrong. It's all about your experience, which is why everybody's got preferences on what they like to drink. Exactly. I personally like to drink everything. I personally like to drink. <laughs> Sentence over. <laughs> Period. So one thing I did want to mention is we have been really wanting to go to Stonehouse because we got some hand-me-down glasses like a while back from Stonehouse. So it seemed very fitting for us to finally be able to go and we are drinking this Cynthiana out of these Stonehouse glasses. Yeah, We we had the merch before we had tried the wine. Exactly. It's like picking up an album and then you go see it in concert. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Now that we've talked about how great the wine is, Corey, why don't you tell them where they can get it? You can get it at their winery and vineyard in Lee Summit. They're also available in a lot of liquor and grocery stores, but only on the Missouri side. Yes, I, I believe. believe it's only on the Missouri side, it looks like. Yeah, so be looking out for that. Also about the space itself, they have done a lot of events in the past. Uh, Pre-COVID, they had live music. They did Oktoberfest events. Uh, sort of a Pinot's palette-esque called Vine, Vino, and Da Vinci. But sadly, all of that right now is on hold. If and when they bring it back, I'll definitely be at that one. The painting class. I'll be at that one. All three of those. That one specifically. <laughs> the live music Oktoberfest Vine, <laughs> Vine, Vino, Da Vinci. I mean, I would. It'd be a fun event. It's not what I meant, but Might I would. It'd be a little loud, but... <laughs> But at the moment, they are still available for doing weddings and bridal showers in their really pretty space. So on that note, 
definitely go check out Stone House. They're awesome. Shout out to the lady that did our tasting. I did not catch her name, but if you're listening to this, you were awesome. And thank you for the tastings and filling us in on the wines because it was really fun. Yeah, because she'll totally know who we are just by the sound of our voice. Oh, I didn't think about that. (laughs) We We were were the really large guy (laughs) and the girl with red hair. Anyway. So yeah, go check them out. Get a couple tastings and then take a couple bottles home. You know, do as we would do. And make sure you tell them Drink Casey sent you and confuse them. Yeah. Again, by them not having any idea who that is. And until next time, I'm Corey. I'm Roxy. And we're your local amateur alcohol aficionados. And whatever you're drinking, make sure you're drinking Casey. See you next time. Hey, Kansas City drinkers. Want to see pictures of all the coolest drinkeries in town or get previews of upcoming episodes? Then make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And if you need or just prefer captions, check out our subtitled episodes available on YouTube. It's always more fun to drink KC when we all do it together. Cheers.